Welcome to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com, the show that's here to make the topic of taxes fun and interesting while providing great advice for individuals and small business owners on how to mitigate their tax liabilities. Now, here are your hosts, Craig and Belsis Smalley. Good afternoon, listeners, and thank you for joining us on Tax Avoidance is Legal. I'm your host, Belsa Smalley. And I am your host, Craig Smalley. This is week seven of our show, and we are very excited to be with you live on the air. Uh, when we started doing the show, uh, we discussed this, and we decided that we were going to challenge ourselves by making um, a uh, topic that's usually pretty boring and dull, um, as fun and interesting as we could, and that is the topic of taxes. So um, we hope that you uh, stay tuned and don't turn the channel. No, of course not, because, you know, this week we're going to be discussing retirement plans, and we've invited a very special guest by the name of Jack Kennedy. He's a financial planner in Orlando, Florida, so we're live on the air, and we're happy to take calls. The call-in number is 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748. You can also email us at info at taxavoidanceslegal.com. Now, I do want to let you know that I realize that we're discussing confidential stuff, so we get a lot of emails. So, Belsis, do you check the emails during the show? Absolutely. For anyone who is out there and didn't get a chance to email us throughout the week, um, you can still send in your questions to info at taxavoidanceislegal.com or visit us on the website at www.taxavoidanceislegal.com. And there is a form on there where you could submit through your questions. You can remain anonymous if you wish. And we always try to address all your questions during the show. If we don't get to you during the show, we still make sure that we answer all your questions. So please do uh, feel free to send those in even today while we're live on the air. If you don't want to give us a call, you can always send us an email. And before we move forward, I just want to stress that the uh, tax advice given on tax avoidance is legal is general in nature. Craig W. Smalley, EA, and CWSEAPALLP and their associated entities cannot be held responsible for the advice given on the radio show. So we always advise that you please consult with your tax and or legal advisor. So, Craig... Today, I know we have a very special guest, and I'm really excited um, to get going on that. Um, we handle a lot of things um, to do with tax avoidance. In fact, the show is sponsored by um, uh, CWSEIPA LLP, and we're a nationally recognized brand of accounting, tax, and financial services, and uh, also sponsored by Tax Crisis Center, which is the nation's premier tax resolution firm. Um, oftentimes, though, we... Um, we run into situations where, you know, we need to um, consult other, you know, other specialties. And so I'm really excited about today's uh, special guests. Well, you know, Belsis, before we get started, guess what? What is that? During the off season, here we go. During the off season, the Cubs got some pitching and they got a lot of firepower. So guess what they did? What did they do? They stole... Ace pitcher John Lackey from the Cardinals, and the Cardinals—that is a division. Uh, that's a division rival, right? So now their starting pitching rotation is the best in baseball. Awesome! That sounds amazing. Yeah, and the Dodgers look good, and you'll be happy to know that uh, I'm also following the Twins and the Mets this year. 
Oh, geez, as if you really needed to add more to your roster. For those who don't know, Craig watches sports all day as he works, or at least it's playing in the background, I should say. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't actually watch it. It's there, I see it, and I hear the roar of the crowd, and I look over. But um, my amazing wife bought me something called a sling box. So if you've never heard of that, look into it. Uh, she bought it a couple years ago. So I tape all the games, and I watch them at work. It's It's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm. Sometimes I regret a little bit having gotten you that sling box because it well, ties. Well, you don't up. ever. You don't ever have to deal with it. No, that's true. That's true. It is. It is nice that you're able to watch all your your games and uh, and you know since you're in a completely separate part of the office, it doesn't really affect me one bit. But apparently, it does tie up the the TV at the house because you've got it set up to the main TV, and that, the rest of the family's not so happy about that. But. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to see the Cubs doing well, though. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. They are they're doing amazing. Well, I know we can go on and on all day about sports. You could probably do a whole other radio show about sports if if you had your way, you would do it. <laughs> but um, we really are going to be talking a lot about uh, retirement plans today. So. Um, yeah, so I want to, yeah, I sort of first, I want to sort of discuss a little bit about Jack Kennedy and how I know them, how I know him. So what happens is, and Belsis can attest to this, is we get unsolicited emails all the time and unsolicited phone calls from financial advisors, right, Bels? Ah, uh, we definitely do. Yeah, and what they want us to do is they want us to refer our clients to them because, you know, just like anything else, you know, we we refer people to open up 401ks and IRAs and things like that. So I met Jack Kennedy about three years ago, and um, he invited me to lunch, and of course I went to lunch because who turns down a free lunch, right, Bells? Nobody, especially not not us, for sure. <laughs> exactly. So I went to lunch with him, and I figured, well, I'd get a free lunch, and you know, I will let you know something. When I talk to him, this man knows his stuff. It is amazing. It is he's something else. So we started working together slowly with one client. I saw what he did. I saw how he did it, and it was amazing. So uh, basically, that's that's pretty much Jack. Kennedy, and after the first segment, we're going to bring him in here, and he's going to dazzle you. Yeah, well, I'm I'm excited about that, and I know uh, Jack's a great guy and very very knowledgeable. Um, before we uh, do bring Jack on, why don't you talk a little bit about um, retirement plans, just to kind of set set the stage for what we'll be discussing exactly exactly so uh the tax aspect of this is basically what i end up doing a lot of times is i do tax analysis bells and you know you know that i'm really big on that because there's a lot of things we can do now that we do at the end of the year so what i do is a lot of times when i'm looking at somebody's situations and Particularly, same you can hear, but you know, doing you know different things. But what I like to do is I like to um, refer retirement accounts. So, base of retirement accounts are SEPs. Simple. So basically, a SEP allows you to put 25% of 
of your compensation into a retirement plan, okay? And that's great. That works perfectly. And you can set that up before the end of the year. And you have to make the contributions to the SEP by the due date of the tax return, including its extension. So a simple IRA is I like to refer to as a poor man's 401k. And the reason why I say that is it's for it, it's cheaper to, to open and operate, and I believe the deferral amount. And Jack will probably correct me because he always does, but I believe the deferral amount into a simple IRA is twelve thousand dollars, and then I believe that it's eighteen thousand dollars if it's if you're over fifty, and then there's a three percent match, and then if you really start making a little bit more money, then I always refer a 401k. And a 401k allows you to put $18,000 through a salary deferral into the plan. And then you can, if you're 50 or over, you can put $23,000 into the plan. But then the company can match 25% of your compensation. So that's a lot of money. And then finally, Another thing that you can do, and this is when you really, really, really start making money, is you could put money into a defined benefit plan. These defined benefit plans, you can put up to $250,000 into a defined benefit plan. That's a lot of money, isn't it, Bells? It sure is, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it sounds it, it actually... You cut out a little bit in the beginning, so just to just to make sure I caught you, it was the different. You you went over the different business uh, retirement plans, and you talked about the SEP, the simple four hundred one k, and then de- defined benefit plan. Is that right? Did I yeah? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm still on the defined benefit plan, and you know, on the defined benefit plan, you can put up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and that's a uh, tax deduction. So um, you're paying yourself. You're not paying Social Security and Medicare, and you're getting this amazing tax deduction. And then, of course, you have your IRAs and your Roth IRAs. So an IRA, you can put uh, $6,000 into an IRA, or I'm sorry, is it? No, I'm sorry, it's $5,500 you can put into an IRA, uh, or if you're 50 or older, you can put 6500 into an IRA. Um, Roth IRAs, and that's tax deductible. Now, Roth IRAs, you put money into a Roth IRA, um, and you have to meet certain income limitations, but you put money into a Roth IRA, it's not tax deductible, but when you take the money out, you don't pay taxes on it either. And as long as you've left it in there for five years, you don't pay any taxes when it comes out. So those That's are the great. basic, yeah, it, it is, it is. And those are the basic uh, retirement plans that we're going to be talking about. Now, the other side of that is where do you invest that money? And that's something that I don't do. But later on in the store, in, in the, uh, in the show, I'm going to tell you guys a story. So, uh, make sure you stay tuned. But that's, that's basically the different types of retirement plans. Well, that's wonderful. Well, um, I know that we have a lot to cover as you, you just kind of briefly went over all the different things and, uh, it's kind of time to take a break. So I want to remind everybody to call us at 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748 if you have any questions um, or send us an email at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And on the other side of the break, we will have Jack Kennedy from JB Meridian Advisors LLC, and he can uh, discuss all these fun retirement plans f- with us. So stay tuned. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tax 
Crisis Center, LLC. We solve tax problems for a living. If you have a tax problem with the IRS, you've probably been inundated with postcards and letters from different tax resolution companies all over the country. Tax Crisis Center, LLC is the country's premier tax resolution company. Unlike other tax resolution companies that will take your money and do nothing for you, once we are retained, we go to work. We get results for our clients and will handle your IRS problem professionally and expeditiously. Don't let the IRS push you around anymore. Give us a call at 1-855-IRS-2911. Email us at help at taxcrisiscenter.com or visit us on the web at www.taxcrisiscenter.com and let your voice be heard. CWS EAPA is a financial services company specializing in taxation and tax-related issues. Tax planning is a year-round activity. The biggest mistake that people make is thinking about taxes during tax time. When you have a complex tax situation, you need to plan for taxes on a year-round basis. Our specialty is mitigating our clients' tax obligations through careful tax planning. Tax avoidance is legal. Call us today at one 844-CWS-EAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can visit us on the web at cwseapa.com or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Put us to work for you today. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsis Smalley. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. We're discussing um, retirement plans today, and I just want to remind everyone that you can call in and be live on the air. Our call-in number is 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or one 463 and you can also visit us on the web at taxavoidanceislegal.com or email us your questions at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And um, we have today a special guest with us, Craig. Um, I think you talked a little bit about him. You uh, briefly introduced him. Jack Kennedy from J.B. Meridian Advisors, LLC, um, is joining us today uh, live on the air to answer uh, questions regarding uh, retirement plans. Hi, Craig. Hi, Melsus. Hey there, Jack. How are you? It's our honor to welcome I'm Jack excellent. Kennedy to the show. How are you doing I'm today? I'm fantastic. Wonderful. Thank you for uh, for having me, and uh, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about retirement accounts and answer any questions that um, any of your listeners might have. Wonderful. Craig, do you want to get started on um, some? I know you've got some things that you wanted to address with Jack and wanted to discuss. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Jack, listen, I know that we've had several conversations about this, but when I suggest a retirement account for somebody and I tell them the tax benefits and everything, I send the client to you. What what basically what happens from there? Great question. Um, I normally get with the client first. Um, you know, I have to go through my little uh, spiel and getting to know them, help them understand um, what level of investing experience that they have. Um, it helps me understand if if I'm going to be talking to them about stuff that they're comfortable with. Uh, you know, a lot of clients uh, are new to investing. So sometimes we'll, you know, we'll start from the beginning. And then I have some clients that are, are pretty savvy 
uh, and are looking for a little bit more advanced stuff, and they like individual stocks more. So getting with them to understand their level of sophistication is usually my, my first step. Uh, and then from there, we dig into what type of business <clears throat> they have and then what their, their goals are with the, with the 401k, if that's what we're talking about, uh, or specifically for their either IRA or uh, taxable account, if that's what they're talking about. Now, Jack, Jack, I, I, I want to tell you something that, uh, you know, you probably don't remember that. Well, you probably do. About three years ago, we had lunch and you told me your whole approach to the market. And I got to tell you, I've talked to a lot of financial advisors and you have this approach that is completely different from anybody that I've ever heard. What is your approach to the market? <laughs> well, I, don't, I, don't, I, I thank you for that uh, compliment, but uh, I'm sure lots of other folks do as well. It's just I want to make it as, as simple as possible. Um, you know, it, investing is, is more uh, basic. It's not as complex as people make it, but when you look at the broader picture, it can get awfully confusing. So first of all, <clears throat> I like to sit down once I understand my client's situation, and we want to create an investment policy statement, which essentially is the macroeconomic approach uh, top-down. Let's look at where the client is, um, figure out some risk criteria uh, for the individual client. You know, are they, are they ultra-conservative? Do they want to hold a lot of money in cash? They want to have most of their uh, money invested in stocks and bonds. Um, and then from there, uh, we go forward and put together a plan. You know, how much... Do we want to have in uh, large cap stocks, small cap stocks, international stocks? Um, how much do we want to and have is in that, bonds? Is that different mm-hmm. for every client, Jack, or is that something that is just boilerplated? This is just basically for everybody. We do the exact same thing. I'm asking because I don't know. Absolutely. And that's a good question. And I've gotten that one before. Uh, generally speaking, you know, allocations, the percentages, can be the same um, minus a few different things because certain clients are different and we tweak them for each client. But once we figure out the percentages, which is spelled out each year in our investment policy statement, uh, then we can go in and dig in and say, okay, now that we want 20% or so in large cap, then where do we go from there? Do we buy mutual funds? Do we buy ETFs? Uh, Do we do individual stocks? Uh, and then we break it down from there. So the answer to your question is, um, yes, you can make a broader allocation assumption, but then for each client, it's going to be different. I mean, I, I've had clients, uh, I wanted to buy Philip Morris stock for a client years ago, and then his mother unfortunately died of cancer, uh, and, and you know, and we, we opted out from that one just because he had a moral objection. So it's different. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I could see that. I can see where it, you know, it, you know. I liked that a lot about you when I, you know, when we personally met with you. Um, I like the fact that you do take all those little things into account. Everybody has their own uh, personal, you know, needs. They're in different situations in life, different stages in life, and all of that can definitely play a role. I'm sure. Yeah, and absolutely, there is something I want to point out. Jack is my financial advisor as well, so I don't ever give a client advice that I don't take myself. So. Um, Jack is is our financial advisor, so yeah, we try not. We definitely <laughs> definitely don't recommend things that we wouldn't be willing or or uh, you know wouldn't do ourselves because uh, it's we really care about 
our clients and we care about who we recommend to them. And um, we always want to recommend the, the very best that, that we run across. And, and for, for us, it's definitely been Jack when it comes to um, financial planning. Yes, absolutely. So, Jack, uh, where would you say you see the market headed right now? Well, that's probably a, a, a loaded question, but <laughs> it is a little bit of a loaded question. But you know what? It's it's one that I get quite often, and so it's pertinent. You know, we had um, let, let's go back one year. You know, we had a, a pullback in August of fifteen. It's it's the first one that we'd had in 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 several quarters, uh, and actually several years before that. Really, that I can remember since since twenty eleven, we had a sharp one of about between 7 and 8% pullback in the broader markets. And that's generally when I like to allocate more broadly, um, you know, to either mutual funds uh, or ETFs that have large baskets of stocks in them. And then we had another one in January where the broader markets pulled back between 15 and 20%. If you look at the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average, NASDAQ Composite and S&P 500. And again, another great opportunity to put new money to work. So having that... And that's amazing. Market, that's amazing. That's amazing, Jack, because most, most financial advisors, when the market pulls back, they freak out. They just lose. And, and you think that that's an opportunity. How is that an opportunity? Well, you cut out there a little, but I think what you're asking me is, is why is that an opportunity? You know, when, when we've had such a great run-up in the market in the last several years, um, you start digging into, you know, what are the valuations of stocks? And that's where, you know, I love. My, my training as an analyst in the past has helped me to, to be able to look at balance sheets and income statements and say, okay, I really like this sector. I really like these particular stocks. And now I'm seeing them trading at levels that are worthy for us to get in. And then on top of that, unfortunately, in today's day and age, you have to be a bit of a chartist because there's so many people that are trading. Uh, you know, there's great companies, but if you buy them at an inflection point in the chart where traders and hedge funds uh, are are having their finger on the sell button, you know, you can buy a great company like Johnson & Johnson or Google and then see those companies decrease in value. And that's really what I look for. If I can see a company that goes down for something that is maybe a not recurring item, um, I can give you an example. Um, about two years yeah, ago, do. Walgreens was in the process of um, trying to move their domicile uh, overseas. And, boy, they really got a lot of trouble uh, from the the administration in Washington. Uh, you know, yeah, that I remember that the, the, they're trying they were yeah. trying to do one of those tax inversions. Yeah, exactly. I remember all and, about that. And the numbers said that they could have saved between like five and eight billion dollars in, in taxes in the following year if they were to do that. And they succumbed to the pressure and did not actually do that inversion. And when the, when that news was broke, the stock went down. Um, from, gosh, in the high 80s down to the low 60s. But nothing fundamentally really changed. That You know, Walgreens was still the profitable company that it was before, but it gave us an opportunity to buy that company at a discount. And so taking advantage of that, you know, I purchased. And when we do make purchases, we don't discriminate 
I'll purchase it for my smaller clients as well as my larger clients. Um, obviously, the number of shares will change, and mm-hmm. depending on their, each client's investment policy statement. But we, we, you know, we bought a large allocation, and we distributed it to all the clients that it was appropriate for. Um, and since then, you know, they've they've merged with Boots Alliance, changed their symbol, and are now Walgreens Boots Alliance. So. Ultimately, you know, corporations and their boards are, are comprised of pretty smart people, and they're trying to raise their not only their income um, and their revenue and profits, but they're also trying to raise their shareholder value. So if I can find little pockets of value like that where a company goes down uh, for no apparent reason or a non-recurring type of reason, that's what, what I really like to look for. I want to buy quality, uh, but also buy it on a discount. So I think... That's what's lacking a lot in the financial advisory world today is advisors becoming more of salespeople and not people that understand and are watching markets. That's exactly that's exactly it. That's exactly and I and you know, before you came on the show I was you know, I was telling Belsis, you know, uh we, we get asked all the time and we still get asked all the time, you know, by financial advisors, you know, we will you recommend your clients to us, will you do this, that and the other? And one of the things that I liked about you so much is you're not a salesperson. You'll tell yes. the truth. You'll tell somebody the truth. And I don't wanna hear something that, you know, somebody is working for a big investment firm and they're being told to push a stock for whatever reason or being told to push a mutual fund, you, you're completely an independent advisor. You're not pushing anything for any reason other than it fits in somebody's portfolio. And that's what I like about you. I like that as well. There isn't no hidden agenda there on, on, on the other side, which is always nice. Um, when dealing with financial planning, I, I also hate that feeling of, um, you know, is that really what's right for me or, or is this person only recommending it because, you know, they're getting some type of uh, incentive to, to do so. So Absolutely. Well, the incentive, if I can, if I could just cut in the, the incentive is let's try and grow this pile of assets because ultimately that's, that's our objective is let's, let's try and, position the portfolio as best as we can to grow the client's assets. Absolutely. Now, now Jack, I know your answer to this question because you and I, we will get on the phone and we go through tangents. We go through different (laughs) things that I just love to talk to you about because it's just, it's just such amazing conversations to have with you. But what are your thoughts on market volatility? And I know you sort of went into it a little bit, but but what are your what are your thoughts when the market gets volatile? I can imagine your phone probably goes crazy. Your clients freak out. What are your thoughts on it? <laughs> it's funny you ask because usually when I see high market volatility, I know my my handful of clients that are are very skittish and the ones that are uh, they're active. I know they're going to pick up the phone and call me. So I try and be proactive and reach out to them when we have an event or something like that occur. Um, being at almost full valuation in the markets, which is where we're currently sitting, uh, which makes the job of finding things undervalued more difficult, um, that's reaching out to, to those clients is, is where, where I want to be. I want to be able to help them understand what's going on in the market and say it's going to be all right, okay? Yes, we're, we're positioned well to handle this volatility, and on top of that, making sure when markets are fully valued, we have plenty of spare cash on the sideline in order to suck up some of those things that 
maybe will go on sale um, for no apparent reason. I mean, I can tell you today with, um, you know, Starbucks missing on earnings, uh, I went and took a look and said, you know, I, I put a, a, an order in to, to purchase below, far below the market because you never know. It's a company that I'd love to own again for my clients, one we've purchased in the past, and I'm not rec- making any recommendation for anybody. I'm just using it as an example to say that um, let's take a look and see. You never know. We might get another flash crash like we had last year. Um, maybe we can pick up some companies uh, at a discount for our clients' portfolios. Yeah, absolutely. It's sometimes it, that's the the right time to take advantage when those uh, prices mm-hmm. drop, like you said. Well, it sounds like it's about time to take a little break. I want to remind everyone that they can call in if they have any questions. One eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three. Six seven four eight. Feel free to call in with your questions for Jack or for us, and you can also email those questions to us at info at taxavoidanceislegal dot com. And on the other side of the break, we'll have more with Jack Kennedy from uh, JB Meridian Advisors LLC. Forming a corporation or LLC can separate personal assets from your business assets. No matter what state your business operates in, forming a corporation or LLC in Nevada, Delaware, or Florida has benefits. For example, forming a corporation in Nevada offers privacy and no corporate income tax. Forming a corporation in Delaware can give you the legal protection of the state of Delaware, which is business friendly. On top of the legal reasons to form a corporation, there are tax benefits as well. Give us a call today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Come and see what you've been missing. With so many choices when looking for quality investment advice, you owe it to yourself to seek a professional who has your best interests at heart. At J.B. Meridian Advisors, we don't sell products that generate commissions or have hidden fees. Client assets are never locked up in illiquid investments that could take months or years to access, or worse, charge a penalty to sell in an emergency. Our simple structure aligns the interests of our clients with our interests by charging a flat fee based on the assets we manage. As your portfolio value increases, our firm grows. Call J.B. Meridian Advisors now at 877-398-0051 or visit us online at jbmeridian.com. Payroll can be a nightmare for a small business. When you have employees, you have to pay them periodically, pay the taxes associated with them, and file quarterly tax reports with the Internal Revenue Service and the state that your business operates in. Our payroll is seamless. It is done through a cloud-based system. All you do is put in what you are paying your employees and approve your payroll. We handle the rest. Our fees are lower than the national payroll companies, too. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or visit us on the web at CWSEAPAPayrollService.com. 
Now, let's get back to Craig and Belsis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today we are discussing uh, retirement plans, and we have a special guest with us. We have Jack Kennedy from JB Meridian Advisors, LLC. And uh, we are absolutely taking any calls or questions via email that you may have. So um, if you haven't done so yet, you feel free to email us your questions to info at taxavoidanceislegal.com or give us a call at one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three. 6748 and I'm sure Jack will be happy to answer some of your questions as they come in. Um, so Craig, did you, uh, you, you wanted to, uh, did you have any questions for Jack? Um, well, first, first we have an email from Jennifer in, um, San Antonio. Did you see the email about ah, this? Oh, hold on. Let me see. I, I see it. Jennifer. Ah, here we go. Thank you so much for pointing that out. Jennifer yeah, that's okay. San- that's my <laughs> Jennifer in San Antonio. All right. Jennifer asks, what do you think of the commercials on TV about places saying if you're not happy with your financial services that they will give you a refund? Yeah, that's guess, for you, Jack. What do you I think about Jack? <laughs> that's um I think it's the next step it seems in in questioning bad investment advice. Um, from certain clients, and it may open up Pandora's box, um, but it also may shore up the industry um, by keeping advisors that are not diligent and not really looking out for their clients. Um, it may put them on notice. So I think that's, um, I think it's probably a good thing in the long run. But I can tell you that I mean, if you maintain good relationships with your clients, reach out to them. Um, you know, make sure to reiterate to them if situations change, uh, that you'll make those necessary adjustments with your client portfolios. Um, and just don't let months and quarters and years go by when you're not communicating with your clients. Uh, I really feel like that's the, that's the, the way to go. And then that sort of a question will, will never come up because clients in general are not uh, ignorant. They understand that the ebb and flow of a market and that it's going to go up and going to go down. But ultimately, if you try and take advantages of the downs and maybe take some profits off of the table in some of the ups, um, you know, that's just the, that's the nature of building a relationship with a client. And if you build that relationship, uh, I don't think that the, the situation where, uh, you know, if a client comes to you and then after a year they want to leave, you can refund their I, I look at it as kind of a gimmicky thing to bring clients over. Uh, and if somebody's looking for that, they're probably not going to be a, a long-term client to retirement anyway. Well, Jack, you know, that brings up a very interesting question. How do you determine your fees? How are they determined? <laughs> and another excellent question. Um, and when I started this process of, you know, how, how do I make the big move away from uh, working? Uh, and, and again, when I decided to, to do this on my own, I had worked in the industry for several years and then got a little frustrated at the salesy part of my industry where when you work for a large firm, they, they put pressure on you to hit sales targets and goals and sell specific things that maybe aren't appropriate. Um, and I'm not going to name any names of firms that might do some of these things, but um, yeah, please don't, please don't. The lawyers don't <laughs> like it when you do that. Please don't. <laughs> um, 
I, I would never, I would, I would never do, I would never do that. But um, yeah, re- repeat your question to me one more time so I can piece this thing. How 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 are your fees determined? Exactly. Um, so again, in looking and looking at how the market has evolved over the years, I like to think that I was a little bit of a pioneer by being uh, an advisor and getting eliminating the brokerage side of my business. Um, you know, going on seven years later, um, and now it seems like uh, that is where the industry is going, is, is fee-based or fee-only. And, you know, I made that decision seven years ago to say, I'm not going to sell any commissionable investment products. I'm going to do a, a flat fee based on my client's assets. <clears throat> and then, to me, that puts me and the client on the same side uh, of the aisle, which is wanting to grow the client's portfolio because the client wants to make more money. I want the client to make more money. So if the client's assets increase in value, I'm going to give myself a raise. <laughs> so that's essentially where when we saw the, the model of, of fee only and not selling any commissionable product, it was very attractive. And um, it's really, I think it's taken over now so much so where we just saw uh, the government put out a, a few more <laughs> new rules now that are saying commission-type brokers are going to be a little bit under scrutiny and a little under microscope to make sure that they're doing not only what's, you know, quote-unquote suitable, but what's also in the best interest of the client, putting their retirement goals uh, and portfolio first. So we do a fee-only approach based uh, upon assets under management. Um, And honestly, that kind of puts me a little bit under the gun, too, because if you go several years and your client's don't go up in value in the portfolio. Clients are free to, they have mobility. They're free to go and try out other places. And um, so obviously I I take uh, growing client assets uh, to be number one. That sounds fabulous. Now, just because I personally don't know, and hopefully I'm not putting you on the the spot there, but what are kind of the typical fees in your industry? What do those look like? Well, it's funny that you ask because if you take a look, I mean, you can look at, geographically, and depending on where you are, the fees will change. Um, you know, in the olden days, you could see fees uh, between 2 to 3% in areas like New York City uh, or in some of the more met- uh, metropolitan areas. But they've slowly come down over the years from, from pressure, uh, not only from in- internal pressure, pressure from clients, and, and pressure from the government, uh, but, um, you know, trying to move toward doing what's right for clients, which honestly we should have been doing all along. So trying to to meld the let's do what's right for clients, um, but also we want to make a, you know, make a fair living for yourself, but but not take advantage of your clients by hurting their portfolio by charging them too much. Absolutely, and I love that about you as well. Exactly. Now, that's, that's why I refer all my clients to you. Now, you take the same approach that I take. There are so many times that I will talk to a client and they've been doing their stuff, you know, by themselves and everything is perfect. It looks fine. And I'll tell them, keep going. This isn't, you know, when it becomes complicated or something, it's time to talk. And that's what I really like about you. Now, Jack, I know that in our industry, it is common for people to buy a computer program and, you know, do their own tax return or do their own accounting work. And this is really funny. I read an article about a month ago, and I don't remember if I sent it to you or not, but it was an article that's saying it was becoming common in your industry for people to do their own investing. And now they have something called a robo-advisor. 
what do you say to someone that does that? And what about a robo-advisor? What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> it's a great question, and actually one that I, um, I wrote a little piece, uh, like you, that got picked up by NASDAQ, talking about robo-advisors and how, um, how they've kind of taken the industry a little bit by storm. Um, and it's funny, but you look at the big firms, um, Schwab, and they're now adopt- they've, they've kind of uh, capitulated, and now they have robo-advisor wings to their investment advisory business, obviously to the behest of their advisors who now are thinking that's potentially oh, wow. cannibalizing our business. Um, I just, I don't think, this is my personal, and obviously I'm a little biased by being in the industry. I think people want to have an advisor there that they can call, they can discuss, they can bump ideas off of. I mean, my clients call me and say, hey, my guys, people at the office, we're talking about buying this stock, what are your thoughts on it? You know, and I love that where I can take a look at it and say, well, you know, fundamentally looking at the balance sheet income statement, I, I think it's sound or I think it's not really good looking at their growth and then also looking at the chart and saying, well, it's a great stock fundamentally, but it's not a good time to buy. You know, um, I just think that is lacking. And so robo-advisors in general, you're not going to get that warm, fuzzy <clears throat> relationship you will get efficiency. So if you're just kind of starting out and you don't have a lot of money, it might be a good place to go. But that functionality that a robo-advisor does, which is the rebalancing and giving you an option to pick either ETFs you know, uh, or a basket of stocks in, in an investment allocation that's appropriate for you, that's what advisors should be doing anyway. So I really don't see them as, uh, as a threat to my business. Uh, but yeah, I think well, some advisors do. <laughs> you know, I want to I want to I, I tell a story. I, I want to tell a story, and I'm sorry for for cutting you off, Belsis. But no, okay. um, you know, I want to tell you a story that's that's a little. It's very funny now, but it wasn't funny then. So there's you know a lot of advertising, a lot of advertising in our industry for accountants to become investment advisors. There's a lot of advertising and they're like, you know, it's basically easy and there are companies out there, big companies that will basically pay for you to take a series license uh, test and study materials and then you'll be able to do this. So one day I get it in my head that I'm going to do this, okay? And I sat, sit down with Jack and I talk with Jack and I'm like, hey, Jack, you know, this is what I think I'm going to do and I need help. And Jack's like, okay, well, fine, get your license and, you know, we'll work together and everything will be great. So I study for this test. Now, I've got to tell you, there are so many rules and so many regulations. And so as I'm going through and studying for the test, I'm asking Jack specific questions about different stocks and everything. He's like, listen, you don't have time for that right now. Learn the rules and the regulations. That's what you have to do. I went in and I took that test and I failed it by one. And it was a good thing that I failed it by one because I am really, really good at tax. I'm really good at being a tax advisor, but I could never, ever, ever do what Jack does. I just couldn't. I mean, I'm going to let you know that in the mornings, in the mornings, I'll read the Wall Street Journal because I've read it my entire life and they'll talk about a particular stock. And I just very simply will text Jack. Hey, Jack, what do you think of this stock? And Jack will say, let me look at the charts. And he will. He'll do the research for you. He'll come back and say, I hate it. 
and or I like it or, you know, whatever it is that he says. But a lot of times what's funny is when he'll say something that he hates something and it goes up a little bit. I always I always like poke at him a little bit. and I'll say, hey, you know, that stock's doing well now. And it's funny because. It'll be doing well for maybe a month or two, and then it comes crashing down. And it's it's something that I don't think that a robo advisor will tell you that. I don't think you can have that kind of relationship. What do you, I, I I believe that what Jack is saying is is one hundred percent correct. And I think that yeah. what we've gotten past, Craig, and kind of to address what you're talking, what we've gotten past is old school money management, old school investment advisors, people who are really knowledgeable and educated in the business, you know, studying and passing a test, learning regulations, that just takes time, but it takes uh, years in, in studying and seeing market corrections and rebounds and how they function in order to understand really what's going on in the market. The big thing nowadays is, you know, oh, don't buy one individual stock. There's too much risk, you know, but then I ask myself, well, all these individual money managers, they're buying individual stocks to grow your portfolio. So there's got to be some value to it. And I can tell you for certain that if you really want to make larger returns, uh, buying individual stocks is really a great way to go. As long as you understand where the airbag should be put in. And by that, I mean understanding that below a certain level, uh, a lot of the, the smart money is going to sell a stock. That's why not only understanding the fundamentals of, you know, reading balance sheets and income statements and growth projections, but also reading a chart to say, okay, it's a great company, but am I willing to hold it and take a 20% loss and then wait several years for it to come back? But in touching on what, what you're, where the industry is, is heading, it's heading away from individual stock selection, <clears throat> and it's heading toward just buy the indexes. Let's buy the ETFs. Let's buy... Uh, the broader markets, and then let's just hold them for a long period of time. Now, there's why is that? Why is that? Well, <laughs> because one, it does work if you are willing to put your money into the market, the S and P 500, and and be okay that you know the S and P 500 may lose forty percent of its value, like in uh, uh, the crash in 0809. Um, it's for you as long as you want to put your money in and not look at it for thirty, forty years. That'll work for you. But I could tell you a lot of my wealthier clients, uh, they're really uncomfortable uh, losing larger sums of money and then me, me being able to just say, don't worry, it's going to be okay. It'll come back in the long term. So the approach that I'm taking is uh, when I do buy an individual stock for clients, I don't just buy it for one client. I buy it for all of my clients that it's appropriate for. So I have a vested interest. So... I'll look at a stock, let's say like Apple. Everyone talks or asks me about Apple. It's come down from a you know, 100, high 120, 130 range. Um, you know, and this is one that I've, I've recently purchased. I'm not recommending it. <laughs> but I look at a stock and say, okay, how much do I think it can gain on the upside? And if I think I can get 20, 30% uh, value on the upside, and then maybe look at the chart and say, okay, maybe there's only 5 to 7% on the downside before I think a lot of the institutional traders will sell it, uh, I can say, well, the upside to downside risk there is really worth me getting into this position for clients. Um, and then like, like you mentioned, I like to buy the stocks that I purchased for clients for myself as well. 
I have a vested interest in the, some of the position uh, going up as well. So, so like, I, like I was saying, individual stocks, I think, are a great part of your portfolio, but it is not the whole thing. <clears throat> so let, can I give you an example of a client? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So say, uh, you know, uh, a client comes to me, uh, has a million dollars invested in. Now, that may be in investable accounts. It may be in, uh, by investable, I mean taxable accounts. It may be in qualified accounts, like a, a 401k, maybe rolled over to an IRA. So first and foremost, we want to tax manage the accounts as best we can. Because <clears throat> you know well, Craig, um, those taxable accounts, if you put high dividend, high yielding stuff inside of a taxable account, you're going to get a 1099 at the end of the year, and you have to claim it. Absolutely. And pay tax on it. So I like to put a lot of those uh, higher yielding things in the allocation in the qualified area, in the IRA area, and then look at the, the investment portfolio as a whole, and then maybe put some of the more growing, growth-oriented type stuff in the, uh, in the non-qualified account, uh, because I know I'm not going to get as large of a 1099. So just doing basic tax management is something we, we like to look at um, from an from a allocation perspective. But then moving, moving on, looking at the million-dollar client, let's say 20% of that client's allocation, we're, we're going to think about putting it into large-cap stock or large-cap uh, equity. Now, I don't do all individual stocks. Like we talked about earlier, I like to wait till markets have a little bit of a pullback. And we'll normally get one to two to three, four a year of a 5% or greater pullback. And then once we do, I like to do a larger allocation to my favorite mutual fund managers uh, or ETFs. Now, I prefer mutual funds mainly because I can look at a manager, and there's a human being uh, under each of these mutual funds that is there picking and choosing the investments. So if I'm going to pick a mutual fund, uh, I want to look at that manager. I want to see his tenure. How long has he been at that helm picking, and has he, one, outperformed his peers on a consistent basis, and two, outperform the indexes? Because if you can't pick a large-cap manager that's going to outperform the S&P 500 or the Russell 1000, then you're better off just buying the index. But I want to do a little better than the index. And that's something, listen, I'm going to tell you people out there listening, that is something not every investment advisor is going to do for you. They are not, they're not going to look at the person in charge. They're not going to go that far. They're probably aren't even going to do the fundamentals. And that's something that, you know, Jack is excellent at and that is the reason why he reminds me of me of the financial world and that's why you know because when I'm looking at something I go into depth and I do all of that and I want to let you know that's why Jack is on this show and you know it's funny we've gone past our last break so we're not we're not going to take our last break we're just going to continue on because we have so many questions to get to so yeah go with the questions absolutely yes i do have quite a few questions here folks so um craig i actually have one here that i think is a little maybe more aimed towards you um but uh jacob in birmingham he says uh he has a small business and has employees if he starts a retirement plan for himself does he have to include his employees Absolutely, positively, yes. Anything you do for yourself, you must do for your employees. End of story. 
Okay. Um, we have another question here, Jack. Uh, this one's for you. Thomas in L.A. has a question for you. He asks, can you go into depth about something you said about top-down analysis? Okay. Um, sure. Let me just do a, a brief explanation. A top-down analysis can mean several different things, which is um, first looking at uh, – Country-wise, when we're talking about stocks now or, or equities, um, a top-down analysis says, let's start big picture and then whittle it down to potentially an individual stock or an individual sector. So by top-down analysis, I mean, okay, well, European stocks maybe had gotten crushed. Okay, so let's, let's first start by saying, okay, I want to buy an undervalued area, so let's first start at Europe. And then let's say, okay, well, which sectors got crushed the most? In, in Europe. So then we'll maybe look at a specific sector, say, like healthcare. And then now I can then go say, okay, European healthcare stocks. Now let's look at a specific stock that's there. And now we can, we've whittled it down. Um, we can pick out a few individual ones, or from there we could buy, um, you know, uh, an ETF or something. So by top down, I mean, let's look broader picture and then start whittling it down to either a sector or a specific stock. When people talk bottom up, they say, Okay, well, let's look at a stock's uh, P.E., price-to-earnings ratio. Let's see what has the, the lowest, and then let's see if any of those are worth buying. So then by bottom-up, they mean let's look at the stocks first and then see if they fit into our uh, allocation that we're looking for. So that's just a broader definition of top-down and bottom-up. Perfect. That, that works. Um, let's see. Craig and Jack, I think I have a joint question here. Uh, Jim in West Palm Beach says that his father died and left him a house. It's on the market for $1.7 million. Um, Craig, how much tax uh, will he pay? And Jack, what should he do with the money? Oh, well, that's that's a perfect question. So let me take the tax part of that first. So uh, basically, how much tax will you pay? Well, what we're talking about here is something called basis. So you do not inherit the basis that your father had. The basis is what the value of the property was at the date of death. So it's probably close to what it's on the market for. So um, your taxes aren't going to be very much, and they will be capital gains taxed at either zero, 15% or 20%. So, um, you know, it's something that uh, is really no big deal. And with that, I'm going to shut up. And Jack, what does he do with the money? Say that one more time because you cut out. What does uh, he do with the money? Oh, yeah. The, qu- the question <laughs> was that he had um, his father died, left him a house. It's on the market for 1.7. Um, and uh, after Craig answered the portion about the tax, what should he do with the money? What, what a broad and loaded question. <laughs> yeah, don't you love those? Don't you love those? Yeah, yeah, I, I love, so I love the broad ones. I'm going to try not to avoid it. I'm going to try not to avoid the question. Um, it is going to be very specific based on the client, but I can give you some generalities. Um, if the client is a, um, a high net worth client who's more wealthy, you start off first by being a little bit more conservative uh, with the assets. Now. I think I'm conservative with all my clients' assets, but um, generally speaking, you know, if, if a client comes to me and says, here's $1.7 million in, in taxable funds, uh, I'm going to, one, I want to try and tax manage it the best I can, but I also I want to grow it the best I can. So honestly, if I have a pile of $50,000 or $20 million, I'm going to kind of approach it the same by first, let's figure out the client's risk criteria, let's see 
one of what he thinks is his risk criteria and what he's actually telling Jack, you in a situation of saying. Mm-hmm. Jack, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt you because it's almost okay. time for the show to end. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> we're we're okay. going to have to. We are going to have to have Jack back again because there's so many questions that come in. But, Belsus, let's do one final question, and then we got to get out of here. Yeah, and uh, folks, you know, we got a lot of emails, so if we don't get to your questions, we will make sure to answer them offline. And uh, uh, with that, I'm going to close out with a one quick question that I think Craig's going to love closing the show on, and it's uh, Mickey in Chicago. He wants to know what you think of uh, Arietta's performance last night. <laughs> I think oh, my gosh, he question. threw – yeah, absolutely. Jake Arietta, <laughs> he is the ace. He is the reigning Cy Young champion. And let me tell you, he threw a no-hitter last night. But not only did he throw a no-hitter, he went two for three, which is amazing because pictures don't hit. And I know we're running out of time, so Belsis, close us out. Okay. Well, this is going to conclude today's show. We really want to thank Jack Kennedy from JB Meridian Advisors in Orlando, Florida. You can reach Jack at one eight seven seven three nine eight zero zero five one or jkennedy at jbmeridian.com. Um, and if we didn't get your questions answered on the air, we will be sure to email you back. Remember to visit taxavoidanceislegal.com, and we will also add Jack's uh, contact information on our website for anyone who didn't catch it on the air. Um, please tune in next week when we're going to talk about a subject that Craig, I think, absolutely loves, and it's what you should know about uh, how tax returns are audited. Absolutely. I'm going to love that show. Uh, the show is sponsored by Tax Crisis Center, LLC, and CWSEAPA. LLP. CWSEAPA is a uh, nationally recognized brand of accounting, tax, and financial services, and you can always reach us at 1-844-CWSEAPA or on our website, CWSEAPA.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Craig Smalley is the author of 12 books regarding taxation. Two of his books have been revised this year. It starts with an idea revised edition takes you through the startup of a company. It talks about taxes, entity structuring, the IRS, and so much more. The Complete Guide to Estate, Gifts, and Trust Taxation revised edition is about how to navigate the complex estate tax. Both books have just been released by CWSEAPA Publishing, LLC, and are on sale now at Amazon.com. At Albertus Business Services Incorporated, we view ourselves as your internal bookkeeping department and are always improving ways to leverage proven cloud technologies to streamline and improve the efficiency of our outsourced services. With an in-house bookkeeper, you would run the cost of about $45,000 a year, but with our monthly services, it would be a fraction of that cost. Let us help you with the tedious, time-consuming side of your business so you can focus on growing your business. Call us today at 1-877-695-6658. Our website is albernaservices.com or email dalbernas at albernaservices.com. Your success is our business.